if you've ever started in a new role, you know that if you don't have good onboarding and clear instructions on how things work and where things are, it's very hard to be effective. And so often it can be a make or break about how you feel about the job. Those first impressions count. And in a clinical role, it's mission critical. Mistakes can be costly and sometimes are even life and death. You need to know how things work and what to do. My guests today have set out to make it easier for hospitals, medical administrators, clinicians, and others to communicate, stay aligned, and get stuff done. In this episode, we're going to talk about communication with clinicians in a disaster, clinician engagement, well-being, and lots, lots more. Team Health Tech, let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today are Dr. Sonia Chanchalani and Dr. Rob Perlman from MedApps. Sonia has a background in clinical forensics, medical education, and clinician wellbeing research. She's Chief Medical Officer at MedApps, working closely with organizations to ensure governance, QI engagement, and clinician wellbeing are prioritized. Rob's the founder and CEO of MedApps. Rob's a clinician who taught himself to code to build the first version of MedApps, which is now used by more than 22,000 clinicians across Australia, UK, New Zealand, and Canada today. Hey guys, how are you going? Yeah, great, Pete. Thanks very much for having us on. No worries. Thank you for joining. I'm keen to understand a bit more about MedApps and the way you're helping clinicians and with communications and what you guys are involved with. It's good having both of you in the conversation. I gave a bit of a high-level overview on each of you, but I'd love to be able to give you both the opportunity to introduce. Sonia, did you want to start with yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. So I'm the Chief Medical Officer at MedApps. So as you said, Pete, I look after the clinical um, well-being and quality improvement, helping hospitals make sure that they have the right information in the app and are ready to go. Uh, I actually met Rob a few years ago when I was director of clinical training and looking after the junior doctor education and leadership portfolio at the Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital in Queensland. So Rob came in and pitched the app as a resource for the hospital. And my immediate reaction was, where has this app been all my life? I had spent the previous 10 years working clinically, researching well-being interventions and training in medical administration across Australia. So the local and national benefits that MedApp brought to the profession were obvious and exciting. That's why I jumped on the opportunity to work with the MedApp team last year, as there was a clear alignment of our values focused on clinical well-being, hospital efficiency, and safe patient care. Nice one. Hey, that's a good pitch when not only you came in to pitch the solution, but then you ended up working for it, then that's probably a good yeah. <laughs> Good on you. Rob, tell us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, Pete, not a huge amount more to, to add to the introduction. So I'm a doctor... Six or seven years ago now, uh, when I was going through my internship, I started doing some coding and had a platform that is called Resident Guide that's evolved into, into MedApp that I started working on really for my own needs. And over the last six years, five years, we've uh, grown it to a team of 13 across 53 hospitals. So now I spend most of my time working with the team here at MedApps as well as try to do a little bit of ED work and some surgical assisting as well to keep my clinical hands involved. Yeah, you've got to keep the clinical work in train so that you're across everything going on. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about MedApp then, the typical pitch. Who's it for and what problem does it solve all of that? When I was going through my internship, I 
became really apparent that there's this big problem that healthcare has where we don't treat the transition between different roles inside of the hospital uh, as a new job. And that causes a lot of problems. So the example that I often give is I just completed my week-long orientation, uh, was given a 120-page handbook of how the hospital works and how to you know, relate to other teams and all of the different things that are going on. And then I went onto the wards and one of the first things that I did was I made a mistake. So my consultant had asked me to order a CT scan for a patient, jumped onto our medical record system, placed a request and came in the next day and the patient hadn't had their scan. And so I'd made a mistake during the ordering. And as a result of that mistake, the patient didn't receive their scan. So that had delayed their entire hospital journey for one day uh, at a minimum. And so that's an extra $2,000 to the health system. That is increased risk to the patient because the longer you stay in hospital, the more likely you are to have something go wrong, as well as a whole bunch of backup around the system. And somewhere in that 120 page handbook that stayed in the backseat of my car and was never looked at again was the information I needed. And so the hospital spent a huge amount of time putting together all of these materials, but it sits in that handbook where you know, you're not accessing it or it's buried on the intranet and you can't find it. And that causes harm, not just to the patient, not just to the hospital bottom line, but also to the clinicians with all of this additional cognitive overhead that you've got to carry around. And so that, that's, that's one part of the problem, but also in the hospital environment, every 12 weeks, you're moving around, maybe it's within the same four walls, but you're moving around to a different team or you're moving to a new hospital. And so you've got an entirely different set of skills that you're going to be asked to call on. So more than likely, you're going to make another one of those mistakes that delays a patient. Hopefully, it doesn't cause any actual harm. But anything that we can do to try and improve the flow and efficiency is beneficial. So really, initially, I was solving a problem for myself. And over time, we've been, we're able to adapt it and get hospital administrators to see that this was also a problem, uh, that they were having difficulty trying to communicate and, and distribute this information. So now we say that our aim is to give every clinician the information and tools to feel capable, confident and efficient in their work which is gonna have flow on effects to patient care and patient safety. At a really basic level, we systematize the onboarding and ongoing clinical engagement of all of the people inside of a hospital. And so really we've got this one hook, which is to give clinicians the information that they need at their fingertips, whether that be how to order that CT scan or a phone directory so that they don't have to continue, um, you know, call through to a different department or ward through the switchboard. And we know that this really gives people a huge amount of confidence and assistance when they're, not just when they're starting out in the hospital, but throughout their employment inside of the site. And we've also been able to show that you can run quality improvement and clinical change projects through the platform as well. So it's this baseline tool that is useful for all of these little pieces that were previously you know, on the job requests or make a mistake or ask one of your registrars. We've now put, if we're implemented properly, then we've got all of the information that you need to be able to hit the ground running to not only save you time as a clinician, but save the hospital a whole bunch of time and money, as well as ideally lead to better patient outcomes.
That sounds cool. What does that look like? So, you know, you've taken the example that you mentioned of the big phone book that you get given the 122 page, you know, induction book that you've got. Is it just digitizing that or it sounds like it's much more than that to be able to make it something that's more meaningful on a day-to-day and you can consume? Yeah, so there's this, I guess, a little bit of a discordance between, say, what the hospital might want to do from an accreditation perspective in terms of here's the 120-page handbook and a whole bunch of the information that we know is going to be more relevant to the clinicians on the floor. And so that involves consult guides. So if I'm on the orthopedic term, if I'm the intern on the orthopedic term and my patient has a new arrhythmia, well, the registrar doesn't care because the heart's not a bone. And so I'm left to my own devices to work out how to call the cardiology registrar. And if I've got the information in front of me uh, in terms of what I need to have uh, when I call that cardiology registrar, then I'm going to save a huge amount of, of their time as well as my time. So that's the sort of information that we put together in partnership that we crowdsource uh, amongst our, our network, but also um, for some of the other bits and pieces We've got a partnership with uh, Life in the Fast Lane to be able to provide suitable and well-referenced clinical information. We also try and make sure that we are continually engaging with the clinicians inside of the hospital so that the bits and pieces that they feel is relevant to be in there are up there. There's another piece as well, which is because some of that information is required to be updated at, at some sort of tempo, being able to have a wiki-like editing inside the platform really speeds up the turnaround time for some of that information that does need to be updated. Yeah, cool. So it's a kind of like an intranet, but a bit more engaging and something more dynamic and something that is meaningful in that clinic. Yeah, so what we say is all of the signal, none of the noise. So the intranet is a really messy place. You might have you know thousands to tens of thousands of pieces of information in a web where you know you might be 30 clicks to try and find the piece of information you want. Now, everything inside of MedApp is two, click, is, is two button presses away. Uh, we've got a good search functionality and the information that's in there is relevant to you in your profile. So if you're a nurse in a hospital, you're going to have a different subset of information to one of the emergency interns because we're only showing you the information that's relevant to you in your role. Nice. I like it. It's interesting as a clinician, you'd go through medical school and learn so much and have so much knowledge in your head about what to do. And then you're seeing patients about treating patients and then to have to take on all the extra stuff on like how to just move within the hospital and get stuff done. It seems like it's just like you say, that overload is pretty real. To throw to you, Sonia, thinking around the impact of all of that, clinician well-being is generally a hot topic at the moment for frontline workers, particularly under pressure, you know, during the pandemic, but but before COVID as well. Obviously, that was a big issue generally. It sounds like then that MedApps would be speaking to some of these knock-on issues as well. Is that about right? Yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, like clinician well-being has been a hot topic for years now. And in fact, it's one of the main reasons why I expanded my focus from clinical work to include organizational change and clinician leadership. But you're right, the pandemic has compounded the existing challenges that clinicians are regularly facing, including um, increased exposure to risk and infection, physical strain and burnout. So it's imperative nowadays for effective communication, especially in disaster management, which has been 
well-researched and documented for decades. Last year, there was a study published in the Journal of American Medicine confirming that access to up-to-date information and communication is one of the eight main causes of healthcare professional anxiety during the pandemic. It makes sense. And that's exactly why MedApp exists and what we're trying to overcome. The ability to onboard a significant number of users and disseminate critical information, including resources and communication, has been invaluable. Aside from that, even within the app, there's a section dedicated to clinician well-being that's populated with expert resources from our allies at the Black Dog Institute and the National Pandemic Kindness Movement. So the existence of the app, as well as the resources in the app, are all geared towards improving clinician well-being. Oh, excellent. So there's something within the app, too, that speaks to that and can really help not just the knock-on effects on how it does help with well-being. That's pretty interesting. Tell us a bit more then about the connection between the well-being of clinicians and then also maintaining an engaged and effective workforce more broadly in healthcare. So everything we do at MedApp is based on lived experience, um, validated by research and our users. For years, the research has been telling us that um, there are connections between happy and engaged doctors, and that leads to better patient outcomes. The research says that distressed doctors have higher rates of attrition, decreased productivity, um, such as medication errors or Rob scenario, ordering errors, clinical performance, and an impact on the patients. Alternatively, positive job satisfaction has been shown to increase performance and decrease burnout. The research that I was involved in and some of the initiatives that I switched over from clinical work into are focused on junior doctors involved in systems improvement initiatives. And again, the research in that space shows that um, that's linked to improved retention, culture, patient engagement, and clinical outcomes. So there's an imperative for clinicians, especially junior doctors, to lead the change in healthcare. And you don't need to look further than Rob's story in the inception of MedApp to see that in action. I'm keen to understand a bit more from you, Rob, around that concept of establishing good engagement with clinicians. You know, the answer is obviously not giving them a big wampus of, a, of an onboarding book to start with. How do you go about onboarding clinicians and doing that effectively? I sort of alluded to it before, but what we've been trying to do is systematize the whole process. And um, I had a, the pleasure about 18 months ago of experiencing onboarding to a hospital through MedApp. So I went out and did a, an emergency locum at Broken Hill. Uh, so they've been using the platform for almost three years now. And the process starts actually before you even go out there. So a couple of weeks before you start your placement or before um, the start of a clinical year, I received a text message, dear Rob, you've been invited to Far Western Local Health District MedApp, click the button, you're in the app, and the first thing you're presented with is a, a welcome letter. And so that is personalized to me, dear Rob, here's how you get from the airport to the hospital, here's where you go here to pick up your key, this is what your role is going to be, here's how the emergency department works, here's how you transfer a patient all of the sort of common bits and pieces for what I need to know. And the hospital gets to see whether or not I've actually looked at that piece of information. So that's a big, big tick for them. But it also gives me this big safety net because I've got the information that I need uh, to hit the ground and get running. So there's a number of steps really that we've got in the app that's really easy for the administrators to follow. And it's also really easy for someone who hasn't been on the app 
before to get in and up and running. So they're sort of up in about 30 seconds uh, from when they receive the text message and it's really easy to follow through. So it's that process of producing a really good process and, and a workflow for someone to come onto the, the platform. We have a huge focus on um, user interface and user experience. We spent a lot of time on that because look, the bar is really low in healthcare and so much of the systems that we use day to day in a hospital, um, if they were to be redesigned from scratch in a day where there are so many designers and user interface experts around would all be totally different. But unfortunately, we're saddled with this sort of legacy technology. What we're aiming to do is try and make sure like the, the interface to a platform should not be an impediment to, to usage. And so it's really easy to get in there, really easy to get up and running, really intuitive for, for everyone. And, um, and then that creates the sort of ongoing momentum to, to hit the ground running uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so really, if we can reduce that cognitive overload, if we can make sure that when you turn up and walk through the doors of the hospital, you've got all the information, you know exactly where you're going to be walking to, you know exactly what sort of information and requirements uh, you're going to have in terms of if something comes up during the course of your day, then your stress levels are going to be a lot lower. You're going to have a lot more fun you're much more likely to enjoy your placement there or you're much more likely to be able to actually get into the swing of things because in the hospital environment, if you're there, uh, if you're a new intern or a registrar or a, or a grad nurse who's just rolled in, then in 12 weeks, you're going to be shifting to a new job. And the old way of doing things was you'd have a two-week cramming period where you're running around trying to get the lie of the land. And what we try and do is make sure that all you have to do is open the app again and have a bit of a read and you're ready to go. No, I get it. Excellent. I like that, you know, you were able to experience it firsthand as a clinician and, you know, provide that real world example. I'm thinking as real world examples now, as things have shifted with the pandemic, I'm interested to know how MedApps has supported the industry generally during COVID-19. Have you got any examples that you can talk about, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. Last year when, when well, it seemed uh, it was literally a year ago, wasn't it? We started to reposition the way we were presenting MedApp around, we called it our COVID response, and it was really around three key aspects. So the first was that dissemination of, of clinical information. If you've got a team uh, or a hospital that you need to communicate with, the reality is that we operate in a fractured information ecosystem inside a hospital. Email has been primarily one of the main tools that people try to get information out. And most clinicians do not look at their hospital email with the thousands of emails that might be in there. Uh, it's too noisy. So can we get information out to the right people really effectively? Yes. Can we provide, in, we were looking at a situation based on the European experience where clinicians were having to shift around to different areas of the hospital. So you've got an issue with having to rapidly orientate people to, um, to new areas of the hospital or bring in clinicians from other health systems in order to be able to help out. So we can do that, that's our bread and butter. We make sure that people have the right information to hit the ground running. And the third one, if you recall what was going on in Italy is they were having ophthalmologists and pathologists get a pamphlet for how to run a ventilator and say, man, that machine. 
And if it came down to that sort of uh, crazy scenario, which fortunately we've been so lucky to be able to avoid, then we had the capability to be able to upskill people through our platform by providing this information and making sure that people had some skills and training in that. So we presented that to a number of health services. And in fact, New South Wales Health came back to us and said, well, we recognize this is going to be a problem. We want to be able to put out our community to practice guidelines and information through the platform. And in the space of really only 10 days from sign off, we were live. We'd onboarded uh, 12,000 new and pre-existing MedApp users to their COVID-19 resource within 24 hours. And so that was across the spectrum from clinical, administrative and, and support staff. We were also able to show back to them, you know, what, were the, what the engagement was, who was looking at what, and through the provision of things like, you know, the push notifications, make sure that when things change. So, for example, I think it was in, in June, July, when we brought in face masks to the hospital, went to Orange Alert, they were able to see that there was actually really good uptake and engagement with the change in policies as that was coming along. So that's one simple example uh, that we were able to, to roll out. And we also had another of health services in New Zealand as well sign on for that project. And in the UK, uh, so we're actually in a trust in London, in a busy emergency department in central London. And they've been using the platform for about 18 months now. So we sort of covered a period before the pandemic and then throughout. And they found it invaluable in this busy London emergency department to be able to use the platform to communicate, to send out guidelines to their, um, you know, to all of the clinicians in nursing, allied health and medical teams uh, inside of the emergency department uh, as the scenario was changing really on a, you know, hour to hour basis. Very cool. It sounds like you've been busy during that period and it's great to be able to hear of examples how you've been able to scale it outside of Australia too. I've got, I've got a question around that a little bit later too, which if we get time, we can cover off. But I'm just thinking then bigger picture as well, Rob, thinking around like at a health systems level, more macro style like, and back to the kind of creating a better environment for healthcare workers. What can be done at that more systems level to improve environments for healthcare workers? Yeah, well, I'll link it back to a little bit of the literature here. So there has been for quite a while this recognition in health administration circles of the needs to try and deliver on the triple aim. So that's improved patient experience, improved patient population health and reduced costs. However, uh, more recently, sort of over the last six, seven years, there's been a recognition that trying to hit these three key performance indicators without looking for looking after the working life of clinicians uh, is actually going to be counterproductive because reduction of costs, improving population health, enhancing the patient experience, it's all imperiled by clinician burnout. So hence we've got the quadruple aims, that's enhanced patient experience, improved population health, reduce costs and improve the working life of clinicians. Now. Where we come in and what I think ties in with the broader stuff that's going on around um, clinician well-being is that improved clinician well-being equals improved patient well-being. Engaged clinicians are happier clinicians. And so if you can, if you can make an environment um, where clinicians are more engaged, have better well-being, then you're actually going to be able to hit those triple aims, which is going to provide a better environment for everyone. Was there anything else, Sonia, that you wanted to add on that side? 
Yeah, I think we in health have done a, a good job in trying to assess kind of the quality and the quantity of the issues. But I think we become unstuck in the action phase. And that's partly due to the fragmented nature of the healthcare system. Everything from funding to leadership to clinical practice differs from state to state, hospital to hospital. And so there's unlikely to be a one size fits all solution when it comes to the quadruple aims. Um, I personally think it comes down to leadership, courage, and a willingness to persist. Uh, I believe in the collective power of our clinicians using their voice and leading the change by recognizing what they can achieve in their sphere of influence and then going for it. I think lots of people making small changes, but important changes, will inevitably shift the culture and ultimately the face of healthcare. And MedApp is here to bring the ideas and the people together. Amazing. I love it. That sets a good scene. Hey, Rob, question without notice, because I've got a habit of doing that sometimes, but it came up as I, as you were talking, I was thinking about some conversations that have happened in the Talking Health Tech community recently as well on the forum, where for those that are looking at creating a solution, so from the perspective of vendors for a moment, you know, looking at creating a health tech solution, you as a clinical founder taught yourself to code, all that kind of stuff to then at least come up with an MVP to then build a team, all that kind of stuff. Whether it was deliberate or not, this theme's come up a couple of times in the past where advice to others has been if it aligns with the problem you're solving but if you can avoid anything that's making a diagnostic claim or anything that's moving a lot of patient data then usually you're kind of eliminating quite a few barriers that people hit up front and I guess what that also enables is potential for at least greater potential for scalability on a global sense too because if you're trying to tie to things like billing and other regulatory requirements at a case-by-case level it's harder to then meet those not impossible but it's just more things to do. Two questions, and I guess answer it however you like, or at least comments from my side, is it, was that more of a deliberate thing or it's you were more focused on the problem that you're solving? And also then, is that true? Or are there other kind of regulatory and kind of other issues that you need to overcome in creating this kind of solution? And is it all smooth sailing? Yeah, sure. So um, actually, MedApp was the third tool that I ended up building during my intern year. So my, the first tool I built was a sort of a task management tool, task tracker, um, because when I was running around on my overtime shift, so I kept on leaving my piece of paper behind and uh, that can be have some disastrous results. So I wanted, you know, if I was taking a, a, a troponin from a patient, then I wanted to be buzzed in a couple of hours when I needed to check the result and take the repeat. Um, and I was using that for myself. Uh, and then when I went on to a team, I built, I guess, the team-based version of that. So that's rounds and so that you could import your patient list, uh, you could tick off your jobs and you could um, share that with your team. So it would sort of network across your iPads and everyone would be able to see where they're up to on the day's job list. With the support of my health district, what started the process of going through and trying to integrate it um, so that we could pull data out, do it properly and more easily integrate this into the workflow and it was certainly well beyond the capabilities of a person who was um, trying to do it part-time. You know, there's the, the security and navigating the arrangements with e-health. And yeah, so you're absolutely right. Anything to touch personal health information, uh, anything that requires integration with the, the broader patient data is really complex to manage. So when, you know, still just sort of solving my own needs, I, I put cobbled together MedApp and found that my path was you know, much accelerated because uh, from a regulatory perspective, I was um, you know, ducking and weaving around uh, all of the, the big red flags that are thrown up. 
uh, really enabled us to move forward much faster. I've got a huge amount of admiration for the people in, in startups who are tackling those problems because you need to have a huge amount of perseverance. There's often a, a really long time lag in terms of getting approvals and jumping through the hoops that are there. Generally, I think you know, Facebook popularized the saying, you know, move fast and break things. The reality is in health tech, you can try and move fast, but the moment you break things, it's probably game over because you're destroying the trust of the people who want to use your platform. It doesn't matter how good the idea is, um, the trail of that trust is, is going to have, um, have a long tail. So it was really, I guess, quite deliberate where we've ended up, and it has certainly helped us with scaling internationally. But I think that in a big sense, there are so many more problems that can be solved by tapping into personal health information or being able to better integrate with the information flow. It's just you need to be a little bit bigger, I think, to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. And I think at least having that passion in the long-term game in, in the problem that you're solving because knowing that you're going to be in for the long haul and because the solution can be well worth the effort to get there. So no, that, that's really helpful insights. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, look, lastly, to round out the conversation, then just back to MedApps and what you guys are doing, what's on the horizon, what can we look out for in 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so we're just rolling into a really exciting phase of our growth. We ran a pilot in a Sydney local health district looking at their graduate nursing program about 18 months ago, and that had really good results. So, you know, initially and for the first couple of years, we were really just focused on the things that we were sure that we could do. We didn't want to go out and make claims that we couldn't support. We knew that it worked for uh, doctors and that was, you know, the, the, the lived experience side of it, but we needed the data to show that it would work for nursing and allied health as well. Well, we have got that data. We've shown that it works really well. You know, the same use cases, perhaps even better in some instances in terms of the engagement for nursing and allied health. We've signed our first contracts uh, and uh, um, completing our first deployments across those areas now. And so we're really excited at the opportunity to serve, I guess, the entire clinical workforce rather than just a segment of it. Additionally, we've shown that we're able to deliver quality improvement and clinical change projects through the platform. Now, clinical change and quality improvement is this sort of perennial bugbear of the health ecosystem. To try and change practice is, is really difficult, requires a huge amount of effort and huge amount of education. And then every 12 weeks, sort of 80% of the workforce shifts and plays musical chairs and goes to another part of the hospital. So you've got this real issue in terms of creating momentum. So we've shown that we can um, assist and be efficiency multipliers in the delivery of uh, clinical change quality improvement projects, whether that be uh, you know, clinical redesign or the introduction of new systems. Um, we've, been able, we've, we've shown that we can support all of those and we've got some, uh, some larger rollouts coming through now. So that's really exciting for us because it transitions us from just being this tool that's really useful in supporting the medical administration and the clinical workforce to something that is actually driving bottom line, um, you know, dollar savings for hospitals and making the whole system much more efficient and has a little bit more tangible patient outcomes as well. So that's really exciting. Uh, we're also looking to continue to expand upon the, the sort of sense of community, um, something that I'm sure you I could probably take a few lessons, lessons from you on, Pete, in terms of building the, the Talking Health Tech community. Generally, our clinicians you know, use it at one 
local health district or one hospital, and then they translate across to another hospital where we, you know, we've got this benefit of, of this broad network now. And so they retain their profile and they move across. Now trying to connect not just some of those users, but also our administrative teams to be able to share best practices and bubble forth what they want to see from the platform are, are some of the initiatives that we're really looking forward to making some tracks on during 2021. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But you're right, though, in that in a solution where you're helping others kind of get up to speed with how to do the bits and pieces in their job, in real life, you ask other people and people who've been there before and you get insights. It doesn't, even if you've read the how-to book, you'll usually ask someone else what it's like and would really appreciate their insights. So I think you're really onto something in terms of building out that community and having that shared knowledge. And that in itself is super valuable, much more beyond any kind of features and benefits that any solution can provide, I think. Sonia, was there anything else before we close out that you wanted to cover and touch on? No, that was perfect. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what's um, in store for MetUp in the future. And I'm excited to be part of the change. Fantastic. Look, thank you, Sonia and Rob, for your time and your insights and sharing what you know about, you know, this important area of getting clinicians up to speed, sharing knowledge, burnout and well-being and all the other connected issues that you're helping to solve. We'll put some details of MedApps in the show notes of this episode on our website for people to check out and all the best for 2021 and beyond, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.